I think the fascination that people could behave so violently and commit such abhorrent acts. You can flirt with danger, but you don't get hurt. It's just that sensation. Serial was responsible, I think, for the complete renaissance of podcasts full stop. So Serial, I think, was a game changer. True crime. It's having a moment. Seems like there's always a new podcast or Netflix series up for discussion. Serial is probably one of the first that springs to mind when we think about the genre. Sarah Koenig's record-breaking podcast, which investigated the murder of a Baltimore teenager, undoubtedly paved the way for a slew of true crime media. A 2018 academic study found that almost 75% of true crime podcast listeners are female, despite the fact that most of these stories feature violence against women. I'm speaking to some self-confessed female true crime fans to find out what it is they love about the genre so much. Hi, I'm Miles, um, and I'm a big fan of true crime. <laughs> Hi, my name is Laura, and I'm just a little murderino. Partly I think it's the shock behind it. Like, I went through a bit of a phase, listening to Case File in particular, where I got really interested in people who murdered, like, a number of members within a family. Because you have to wonder why someone would do that. There's just so much you can kind of dig into. It's not, it's never, ever just black and white. I've always been interested in, like, the human psyche. How people behave and what is it, what it is that makes them behave in that way. And also there's, there's all different types of a crime. You know, to me, when you look at just murder, it's like there's many ways that you can kill someone, but each way um, has a different kind of thinking behind it. This is a service to Media City UK. The next stop will be Media City UK, where this service terminates. I want to speak to someone who makes true crime podcasts, so I've come to Media City in Salford to speak to the BBC's Chris Warburton. Chris worked on the End of Days podcast, which looked at the victims of the Waco cult, and previously he produced Beyond Reasonable Doubt, which studied the murder of Kathleen Peterson, famously known as The Staircase. Yeah, so I think it's about four years ago, and we did the Beyond Reasonable Doubt podcast, uh, which was, I suppose, what you might regard as you know, more traditional true crime. It fits in with the mould of all of the stuff that's been massive on Netflix or Serial and all those kind of things. And in fact, some people sort of said, oh, this is like the, the British equivalent of Serial, I think because we were sort of following the case as we went in a way. The staircase refers to the death of Kathleen Peterson, who was found lifeless at the bottom of her stairs. Her husband, Michael, was convicted of her murder. The case gained a huge media following, as well as public speculation as to whether Michael Peterson really killed his wife. Kathleen Peterson was 48 years old when she died in a pool of blood at the foot of the stairs at her home in Durham, North Carolina, in December 2001. That much is a sad fact. What happened in the minutes and hours before and then that? Then that followed up. Uh, yeah, we started working on End of Days a couple of years ago. Uh, which took the best part of a year to complete. So, yeah, I've been doing the thing for around four years and yeah, it kind of was a bit of a bolt from the blue, really, because I was just sort of asked to get involved with it and all of a sudden <laughs> people are saying, oh, this guy's the true crime guy, and you're like, oh, yeah, I suppose I am. Is that it? That's the house. That is the house, and it is enormous. It is absolutely huge. It's, it's strange for me after having read so much and watched so much about what is alleged to have happened inside that house. It's, it's Serial. amazing to find Serial was responsible, actually. I think, for the complete renaissance of podcasts full stop. You know, you can almost bring it back to when Serial came out. And I was probably a part of that um, consumer base as well. You know, 
you had the kind of early stage of podcasts, which was very much kind of organic and, you know, um, people in their garages and all that kind of stuff. And then Serial came out and that just seemed to reignite the whole thing. And that's when the big boys got in and you had ACAST and you had the BBC and everybody thought, oh, hold on, we need a piece of this pie. So Serial, I think, was a game changer. I asked Chris if the gender of the victims matters to him when choosing a story to tell. Don't really see where that would necessarily have a relevance in terms of how I would approach it with Beyond Reasonable Doubt, I think. Uh, okay. Sorry. Sorry. Oh, shit off. Okay. Um, no, I think, I think, um, I think, uh, journalistically, you know, when I'm pitching an idea to, you know, my bosses or whoever might commission the thing, uh, it's more a case of thinking, okay, where does this story go? Who are the characters that we're going to meet? Where's the kind of compelling aspect of it? Um, but you need a few kind of twists and turns and curveballs and unlikely happenings and stuff like that. And I think that's why, you know, the story of the staircase and beyond reasonable doubt has got that in spades. You know, the Pilot Light TV Festival takes place in Manchester every year. I went along to a panel discussion on the ethics of true crime. One of the panellists, comedian Rachel Fairburn, presents the all-killer, no-filler true crime podcast. Well, I don't think it is a new phenomenon. I think it's always been there. I think, um, I mean, if you go right all the way back to, say, when people used to go and watch public executions for entertainment, uh, people have always been interested in grim things. People have always been fascinated by murders and, and, and things like that. Um, they have noticed. I think sort of the audience that uh, we tend to have is, I'd say, 80% female, and <coughs> from the ages of, say, 25 to sort of mid-50s maybe, it's quite a, a wide age range. I was really interested in why Rachel thinks her audience is mainly female. It seems I wasn't the only one, as another member of the audience also asked her about this in the panel's question and answer session. Why it's such a massive female audience for like true crime and fiction. I've got a theory about this. Anything wrong with this, don't I? So, I think, so from when you're a woman, being, uh, from being very young, you're told, be careful when you go out, don't do this, make sure you bring us when you get home, keep safe, don't talk to strangers. Watch how if you get a taxi, get a taxi instead of a bus. We're constantly told to look after our safety. And I don't know, statistically, we don't really commit murders in the same way men do. I mean, there's far fewer female serial killers than there are male. I'm not saying that we women don't serial kill because they do, but usually it's with a partner or it's, it's quite rare if, if they do. And I think it's something that's far removed from being female, I think, and I think that's maybe why it fascinates us. But I do think it's that thing that it's, from being it's always been at the back of your mind, your safety is always at the back of your mind, and you're constantly thinking. After the event, I managed to grab five minutes with another of the panellists. UK True Crime Podcast's Adam Lloyd. Hello and welcome to episode 105 of the UK True Crime Weekly Podcast. I'm Adam. Thank you so he much. He told me that his me audience is actually predominantly male. But I know it's, uh, I was really surprised by Rachel's answer. Mine certainly isn't strong. Mine is, I think mine is 60% male, 40% female, last time I looked. Okay. So that's quite unusual, isn't it? Because there are normally 
The victim's gender isn't a concern to Adam when he's choosing which crimes to cover for the podcast. Yes, and I am super conscious of finding cases where it is a man kills woman. Because the easy cases to do, when I was, like I said, there in a short time this week, quickly found an easy case, man kills woman. So it's man kills woman, easy cases. Adam says that the most popular episode of his podcast featured a female escort killing her controlling boyfriend with an axe. Today's story involves a sauna in Rochdale, risk-taking, controlling behaviour, sex work, dogging, and an axe. What's your favourite podcast? Um, so I listened to one, um, I think it's called Just True Crime UK. Um, uh, it's by a guy called like Andy or something, I can't remember. Adam Lloyd. Adam Lloyd, uh, yes. Yeah, I've interviewed him for this. No way! Yeah. Yeah. No! Uh-huh. Oh my God, have you actually? Yeah. <laughs> that is so insane. Yeah. Yes. I love that podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, so I listened to his um, podcast, which I really enjoy. And at first I was like listening to it and I was like, I feel a bit like weird listening to it because obviously it's just him and he doesn't have any like other interviews or any other input. It's just like, it's like a story, like a very gruesome bedtime story being read to you. Um, but I find it really interesting because it's the parts of... Like everyone knows the famous ones, you know, the Ted Bundy, Harold Shipman, his podcast, it is more kind of, like I found out about so many things that haven't even been in the news that have been so horrific that they've not even been in the news or they've happened to someone that maybe society doesn't care about. I find Case File really interesting, maybe because it's like an anonymous person, like you've no idea who's doing it. It's done in such a, a good way that if there is certain issues that come up, there's like, if you need help, you can speak to this organisation and blah, blah, blah. I think it's done really, really well. Not far from the shine and steel of Media City is Salford University. I've come to speak to Dr Abby Bentham to get a more academic perspective on the female relationship with true crime. Uh, so I'm Dr Abby Bentham. I'm a lecturer in English and Theatre at the University of Salford. And I've been interested in true crime for as long as I can remember, really. I think growing up as a, a child in the 80s, when the Moors murders were still very much in the news, you know, you couldn't go a day, really, without seeing a tabloid splash on one of the killers. Dr Bentham's interest in true crime has also led her to look at the reasons it resonates with women. Her bristophilia, where women fall in love with these men, um, and obviously, you know, they're not really boyfriend material. <laughs> and I think there's a lot going on there. There's, um, you know, there's, there's that adage that nice girls like bad boys, um, which I've got lots of issues with as a feminist. An incarcerated man on death row becomes a very safe and acceptable choice as a love interest or a love object, because obviously he can't hurt you. Um, you know where he is, you know, he's not going off with other women, he's not doing anything he shouldn't be doing because he's in that little cell. And then there, there are also all these tropes around, you know, sort of women wanting to fix people and, and seeing the sort of damaged little boy within this necrophilia, murderous rapist. Uh, so there's all sorts of strange things going on. True crime fan Laura also touched upon this when we spoke. And then there's a lot of people who talk about how they're so sexually attracted to Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy confessed to killing at least 30 women in the 1970s. The fact that he was attractive and charming not only allowed him to gain his victim's trust, but undoubtedly helped him to avoid suspicion for years. 
Ted Bundy is a bad man. <laughs> like, he's a terrible human being. And there is this whole community of people who are, like, sexually attracted to serial killers and whatever. Like, yeah, they are really charming. Obviously, that's how Ted Bundy murdered so many women and attacked so many women. He is incredibly charming. But he's still tapped. <laughs> like, there's something really wrong there. I think more generally, um, women and, and true crime, a lot of it... Um, well, the, the st studies seem to show that it's, a lot of it's down to, to safety. Um, you know, we're told from being little girls not to talk to strange men, not to walk down alleys, to toe the line, do as we're told, and then nothing bad will happen to us. So sort of engaging with that kind of material, in a way it's about um, arming ourselves. You know, if we can read about survivors, then we know, you know how to get away. Or if we read about victims, then we read not what to do. Dr Bentham notes that actually, statistically, it's men who are usually the victims of crime. On a sort of day-to-day -day basis, although it's women who are told not to walk out on their own after dark, um, it's statistically, you're more likely to get involved in an incident if you're a male. Um, it's actually quite rare um, for things to happen to women. But yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say that... Um, there's a disproportionate focus on, on the sort of dead girl kind of trope. Um, and in part, this is because it reflects real life, in part, it's because it sells. A 2013 study found that globally, nearly 78% of homicide victims are men. So there is a possibility that true crime media skews our perceptions and potentially makes women feel more at risk than they really are. So why does Dr Bentham think that women affiliate with true crime? Well, I think there's, you know, there's probably something vicarious going on there as well. So we can experience the crime, you know, these things that our mothers have referred to quite obliquely. You know, there's lots of talk about bad men and um, stranger danger, but you don't want to frighten your children, so you don't go into the, you know, sort of the nitty gritty. So there's a degree of, of um, sort of mystery, mystique even around that. So we can explore these things more fully through the safety of a, a, the frame of the TV screen or the book or you know the headphones for the podcast. So we can find out in detail what it is we're being warned about, but we're not getting hurt because we've got that you know sort of safe distance. And I don't know. This might be sort of going out on a whim, but if 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 women have always been sort of told. You know, watch out for dangers through your life on the streets at the hands of men, whatever it might be, to sort of be able to view that in a kind of or listen to that in a vicarious sense and sort of see the conclusion of it. You wonder whether that sort of um, allows them to sort of c confront that, but in a vicarious way and in a kind of safe way, you know? Chris talks about how true crime podcast listeners are forming online communities. You sort of become part of other people's wider conversations on social media and you know there's obviously a great thing of these days is people sharing ideas of uh podcasts and whatever you know recommendations and stuff and you can quite often be tagged into those and you realize quite how many people are sharing different ideas of of related kind of I used the Facebook group for Adam's UK True Crime podcast to connect with female fans. 
I met with Dr. Catherine Hughes, whose passion for true crime actually led her into her career. Uh, my name's Catherine Hughes. I'm, a, I'm an investigative psychologist, um, which not really many people know where an investigative psychologist is. So we say criminal psychologist. It's applying the uh, study of psychology to all areas of crime and criminal activity. I think the fascination that people could behave so violently and commit such abhorrent acts. I wanted to know more, to find out more. What what was it about these people that made them want to commit violent crimes or serial killings and things like that? I had always had a fascination with crime and I used to be a motorcycle instructor and unfortunately I had an accident which meant that I couldn't do that job anymore. So the interest was already there. So then I got the opportunity to look into it further, you know, and, and to go in and study it. Now, at that time, I mean, we're talking about 18 years ago, maybe. At that time, there wasn't as much information online. Not everybody had a computer. Um, so as time has gone on, that fascination is still there besides the work-related activities that I do. Um, and yeah, I've, I find myself consuming more and more of it because more of it's available. Dr Hughes founded Crime Psych, which runs courses on criminal psychology. So the people that do these Crime Psych courses... What's their gender usually? Is it an even split or does it lean towards one gender? No, it's about 90% female. Um, when I uh, build up advertisements and things like that, my target demographic is women between the ages of 30 and 50. They're the main people who are interested in what I've, I've got to say. There are men as well, you know, don't get me wrong, and there are women of all different ages, but they make up the main bulk of people who want to learn and find out more. Where do you think the true crime industry is headed in the future? I think sooner or later, people may very well realise that not all of the information which is available is of quality. And so I think the industry will always be there, but the consumers will be more selective about who they listen to, what they read and where they get their information from. So I think that shift towards... Um, a more sort of investigative format um, is, is probably going to continue to develop. Um, you know, we've got things like Making a Murderer or The uh, the Keepers. Um, you know, we've, there are Facebook groups working right now to try and solve the murder of Cathy Sesnick. Yeah, how long it will last, who knows? There must come a saturation point, um, but it doesn't feel like we're there yet. Where do you think the industry is headed in terms of true crime? Do you think we're just going to see more of these podcasts and TV series or do you think eventually it's going to come to sort of a saturation point? There's probably a possibility that it could it could come to saturation um, and I think it'll just, you'll get to a point where someone will have like just the one podcast that you like really, really enjoy and the like the cream will rise to the top sort of thing. Like I think people do kind of dip in and out of these kind of mediums very easily um, and it is quite volatile. Like, you know, the numbers will fluctuate quite a lot, but I, I think it'll just push people to be better at what they do and they'll have to work harder, they'll have to research a lot more like going forward and people will have to stand up for what they do. It won't just be, I'm a little bit interested in true crime, so I did it. Like it needs to be strong to the point with your sources, where you got it from and all that. Like I think it'll just, there'll need to be more accountability. So what do these true crime fans want to see from the genre in the future? 
perhaps let's give let's talk about the victims or the survivors of the crime because these women have been through such horrific acts they need to be given more consideration and they need to be celebrated for going through that surviving it and overcoming and going on in most cases to live a normal life and so when it comes to the fascination with true crime and people who are involved in crime, I think as society we do need to give consideration to the victims and to families of victims as well. Who has ever talked about the families of the victims and what devastation that causes? Um, I think that, like we were talking before about like um, the victims and things like that, I think that the reason I like Adam Lloyd's podcast is because... Um, you know, he does pay attention to who the victim was. They're not just a faceless figure who's, you know, had this awful thing happen to them. They, you know, there's actually a bit of background about them. I think it'd be a more interesting take if you actually spoke to, you know, the victim's brother or the victim's mother or, you know, the victim's neighbour and actually spoke to them and said, well, actually, what were they just like? And I think that then we'd have a bit more of an... And empathy, I suppose you might say, with the victim. Empathy is the wrong word because we already have empathy with them, but just a bit more of an understanding of who they are and a bit more of an appreciation of the fact that they had a life. They're not just the victim. But is the basis for true crime the fascination with the killers themselves? I think now in this day and age where we have advanced quite a lot, people are calling out that kind of weird mentality of making a celebrity out of it, um and putting them on this kind of a pedestal and they are super good looking and blah, blah, blah. Like, we do need to kind of take a step back and understand that they're in this situation for a reason. You know, like they have done something really terrible on such a massive scale. But hindsight is just a wonderful thing, isn't it? We are a very different society now than we were then, which I think is always quite interesting. Saying that though, I mean, this year there's been... Uh, Zac Efron has played Ted Bundy and then he's yeah. had his own documentary on Netflix so do you think really that we are heading that way where we're going to put more focus on victims or do you think that's just sort of something that we say but really that interest is always there yeah you've got a point to be fair like it's all well and good me saying like oh I care about the victim and stuff but I'm like one person out of how many like you're absolutely right like that massive focus on Ted Bundy for a while I think you're trying to dig into like who he was and how he was able to do what he could do. But yeah, I think Ted Bundy is like a very specific case. Um, but because of he was a good looking man, <laughs> that's how you kind of like can get away with it. But I mean, hopefully we can start to look at it in a different light and we can raise awareness of certain situations. Like if this were to continue, but obviously it's a different time. We've a lot more at our disposal. So I don't know, hopefully. Coming back to Serial, I wonder if it's that investigative nature and the fact that the podcast had an impact on Adnan Saeed's case that made it so popular. Podcasts are great because you can you can listen to it when you're doing other things, you know, driving along or whatever, which I think is really great for people and probably a big part of why they've really taken off. And Netflix, you know, the, the, I don't think we can underestimate the impact of making a murderer. I think what's really interesting about that and things like uh, Central Park Five, that they're really challenging the structures um, of justice. So, um, you know, asking, you know, was justice served? Were we right to put our trust in these institutions? But what are the implications of these types of podcasts and series on our society? 
I just think that it's, I think that it's difficult. I think, I don't think that people realise that so many things that we watch are so heavily edited. You know, you're not actually in that courtroom and you're not actually, I know that I like to think I am and you probably think I like to think you are, <laughs> but you know, we're not actually experts. Uh, so I think that it will be very frustrating for people who are actually qualified in these areas. And also times change, you know, you look back, you know, not that long ago and societies and societies views on all different things you know whether it's you know sex and prostitution you know people not caring about you know a prostitute being killed if you're you know on the jury I think that that again is changing when people are being more aware and being like well actually it doesn't matter you know that woman or that person still deserves to have their case heard and for that person to go to jail for it. I'm interested to know how the violence against women portrayed in the true crime genre affects Maz and Laura. Well, to me, it's like you need to know your enemy. <laughs> so I like to watch it from that point of view, you know, know what we're up against <laughs> in the world. I do think that obviously I don't like, so I don't watch Game of Thrones, which might sound ridiculous to many people, but I don't watch Game of Thrones because of the violence against women. I find it, you know, very distressing and I find it very hard to watch and enjoy you know I have a very stressful life and a very stressful job and when I um, finish my day the last thing I want to do is see anything even more distressing or that's going to upset me I just want something that's easy to watch but it's funny because like true crime documentaries or um you know podcasts and those kinds of things it is actually it, for me it's kind of an escape and even though I am like hearing about these awful things happening to women they're talking about it in a respectful manner. Um, I think that therefore I feel a bit more comfortable maybe listening about it. It doesn't, it doesn't. Um, I think you can become numb to these kind of situations, like the more you hear about it. But then that being said, I listened to an episode recently about a domestic violence victim. I'm talking about how it starts off in little things and their partner apologises up to like like beating the living life out of them is terrifying and it is it's really difficult to hear um I do find it quite difficult sometimes but to an extent I think I am a little bit numb to it which is really quite sad and I find that about like a lot of sort of tragedies like I am quite interested in serial killers and like mass murders and stuff like I've watched Bullying for Columbine and find it really interesting and I think that is a bit of a concern that we'll just become too accustomed to how these things are. Like with shootings and stuff in America, we're just we just see a number and we're like, oh, that's sad. Like there isn't any real shock behind it anymore. And I think that's maybe the case for crimes against women because they're just such a current theme when it comes to true crime. Yeah, like and like I said before as well, it's also about, you know, they shouldn't die in vain. There should be attention giving to what happened to them because it is an important thing that we need to pay attention to in society and see how we can prevent it happening in future. Every woman is different, and there's no one reason why women love true crime. There's an obvious fascination with how people can commit these acts, and perhaps it even offers women a chance to experience a sense of danger without actually having to expose themselves to it. With the new age of podcasting, there are countless opportunities to both hear and tell new true crime stories. But it's clear that in the future, these stories need to push the focus away from criminals and onto the victims themselves. This documentary was researched, produced and presented by me, Sean McGuinness. <laughs>